In this episode, we're talking about our word of intention for this season. I'm going to show you multiple ways to identify your word and how to show up and live through that. And I'm going to do that by, frankly, kind of burying my soul with uh, not one of my finest moments, but something that really embodies this word of intention. And I'm also going to share three client stories that are focused on their word of intention and how it's showing up in their life. Straight from the boardroom to the microphone, I'm April Garcia, and this is The Spark, easily applied tools and hacks to get you ahead. This isn't just a podcast. This is an upgrade for your life. Helping good people become even better. This is the spark. Word of intention for this season. What in the world does that mean? It's how you plan on showing up for this season of your life. And a word of intention can be something like energy. It can be enthusiasm, growth, or strength, or or something to that effect. So this is a word that you're really focused on and you're intent on living into this thing, that you're intent on showing up this way for the next 12 weeks. Because every season has a word. Some are good words. Some are not so good words. And many of us just, we just fall into these words. It was a bad year. Last week was a train wreck. But we can't let our word or our season that we're in pick us. We've got to pick it first. So today, together, we're locking arms and we're picking your word. But before we do that, let's define a season in your life. So it's not always tied to a calendar, though I like to tie it to a calendar when possible, but sometimes it's tied to an event in your life. For example, say you've only got, I don't know, four months until you turn 40. That's a season. Or maybe you're going through chemotherapy for the next six months. That might be a season. Or you just started a new business and this month is your season. So if you need to, if you have some kind of profound event like that, you can change the length of your season. But I personally like around 90 days, specifically 12 weeks. Why? A couple of reasons. You see, many people think of a season in their life as one year. And that, it's simply too, it's it's just too long of a time period. In a year, there's a whole lot of fluff, lots of time to screw around, get off task and and just just lose a big chunk of time. It reminds me of um, Parkinson's law. Uh, Work expands so as to fill the time available for its completion. So essentially, something's going to take you as long as the time that you give it. So, um, you know, you give a big chunk of time to a task, you can get unfocused. You can start, you know, dorking around because we have the time. Like a real life example, say when I was in university, if I had two weeks to write a paper, I'd take the full two weeks to write that paper. But the truth is, If I only had, I don't know, 72 hours to write it, I could have produced the same quality of work in that 72 hours. And that's true with many tasks. If I'm working on budgeting, if I time block, say, 90 minutes that day, and then I I set my bird chirping timer on YouTube, then magically I get it done around 90 minutes, or maybe I have to extend the timer by five or 10 minutes, but it doesn't take me half the day like it usually does. And thinking about time in 12-week periods, that's how we should run a business too. We can't think about our business in terms of years, though in retrospect, we can. Um, We can say, you know, 2018 was a good year. Revenue was up in 2017. We can think about it in terms of years then, but when we're in them, when we're 
we're in the arena, we need to think about it in quarters or 12-week periods. What is happening in this quarter? What's happening next quarter? And that's how we keep a really a really focused eye on how we're running our business. Are you familiar with the uh, the book by Brian Moran, The 12-Week Year? It's a it's a great book. And though I use it in business, I it's highly applicable to our personal lives. Moran talks a lot about how it's not so much about dreaming big. It's about consistent execution. And that's true in all of our lives. And it's true in, in goal setting and a number of other things. But it's showing up every day as that thing, that thing you're working to to move towards, to manifest. And when we put a time frame around it, it gives it a sense of urgency. And, and when we're going after that, when we're going after something, we should always put a timeline on it, right? Because if not, it's just, it's just a dream. It's just a wish. We got to, we got to do smart goals, you know, specific, measurable. We, we've got to focus on what's going to get us there. And again, that applies for goal setting, but it really also applies on picking your word. So we need to create a sense of urgency around that because if we don't feel a sense of urgency, even if it's, if it's self-imposed, if it's, not even really truly there, um, we can create this this self-imposed urgency because we need that to get us to the next level. So let's let's focus every day. And if we're focusing every week, if we're focusing every day on what we want more of, that's what we're going to bring it into our life. So the idea in the 12-week year is that with focus, intention, and a sense of urgency, we can achieve in 12 weeks what most people can take a year to do. And we'll cover in the future more on the 12-week year because that book is an excellent tool for goal setting. But for now, we're talking about our word of intention. So in summary, what we're doing is we're picking a word that we're going to live into and we're going to live into it for 12 weeks. So the concept of the 12-week year, it can apply to life too. I break life into 12-week periods. What's happening in this 12 weeks? How am I showing up for the next 12 weeks? And identifying a word of intention is can be... Uh, this can be a great practice for those who shy away from goal setting. You know who you are. You may have some goals kind of flitting around in your head and you don't really want to write them down or gasp, say them out loud to people because you might actually have to do them. So if this happens to describe you, this tool, it's it's sort of the, the gateway tool to goal setting. I think you're going to like the word of intention. And to illustrate the power of this word, I'm going to share a very personal story of how my word <laughs> manifested not all that long ago, um, and then share how some clients and some listener stories, how they focused on their word of intention and how it's showing up for them. So get ready, get yourself a cup of coffee, maybe a, a 12 ounce stout, because um, I'm about to tell you a story. I'm April Garcia, a business advisor, performance coach, serial entrepreneur, traveler, mama, wife, and just about everything in between. I've made large companies larger and rich people richer. Now I only advise great executives and ambitious entrepreneurs on growing their business, having the right mindset, and contributing more to their world. So not that long ago, I had selected a word. Now, I'm not going to tell you what this word is yet, but I'd picked a word but I really wasn't living into it because I was very uncomfortable with my word. I had no idea how it would show up in my life and the power it would eventually have over me. But first, a little backstory. A little less than probably two years ago, I had a pretty nasty knee injury. It all started at a, <laughs> it all started at a wedding where during the House of Pain song, Jump Around, I was indeed jumping around and I fell. 
and I dislocated my knee. And it was not ideal, but when it happened, I had family, friends, my husband, all there. They swept me away to the hospital, and that was that. Now, fast forward six months from the date of that wedding. I'm growing a business, I'm meeting with partners and clients, and I'm at this big industry conference in Nashville. My knee injury is better, uh, though not totally healed. I've got several months of physical therapy under my belt, and I'm doing okay. I'm having a great time in Nashville, one of my favorite cities, and uh, I've met up with a bunch of industry partners. And let me tell you, telecom people, they know how to have a good time. So I'm out with clients and a partner, and I'm dialed in. I've got I've got my suit on. I'm signing deals. I'm slapping backs and kissing babies. I'm on top of the world. And then later on, I meet up with some other people and I'm out in Nashville and I slip on someone's drink. I hit the ground hard and I know it immediately. I've got that that eerie sensation of almost sort of metal slicing on metal is the best way I can describe it. And now I know that that's my femur smashing into my tip fib. So there I am laying on the floor, looking up at the ceiling. I'm covered in someone else's drink. I'm humiliated and I can't stand up. My knee is is dislocated again and I've torn all the ligaments. So the people I'm out with, they help me up and they insist on helping me to a cab. And I just want to be on my way. I I refuse. Nope, uh, I'm good. Um, I just need to get out of here. I need to get the heck out of this place. But they know that my knee is dislocated and they're insisting on helping me to my hotel. Well, I don't want them new. I'm embarrassed. I don't, I don't want their help. At the time, I didn't like showing weakness, especially not in business. And I, I, um, I didn't want anyone seeing a chink in my armor that I so carefully placed over myself every day. I was a leader. I had my stuff together and I didn't want them seeing that perhaps there was a bit of a messy core or that there was anything wrong with me. Well, they wouldn't have it. <laughs> they, they absolutely wouldn't have it. They got in the Uber right with me and they drove me to a pharmacy. They bought me Gatorade and Advil and drove me to my hotel. Except I wasn't really staying at a hotel, technically. I was staying at the Wyndham Resort. And because it's technically not a hotel, they weren't required to have elevators. And I was on the third floor. So Three flights of stairs outside, no elevator. And though I so desperately wanted to hop up those stairs, my knee was was still out and then it started to rain. It was just this comedic situation. Not at the time though, in retrospect, but you can imagine, you know, rainy night in Nashville. I'm now being carried up three flights of stairs by a client that my team had been working with and uh, another partner that really ended up becoming a friend, but these two people, but these two people were getting me to my room. They carried me inside and they placed me in my bed all while my knee was still dislocated. And I was humiliated. I was in pain. I was, um, for being in such kind of a sensitive place in life, like a sensitive moment, I felt like I didn't know these people well enough for them to be walking around my room. I was uh, frantically texting an employee over and over again, hoping he'd answer and come uh, come help, but he was asleep. And though I was really uncomfortable with this, um, you know, because all the, imagine, you know, all the things that you think of when you're in that situation, like, where did I leave my razor and where did I put my underwear? And did I put away the pizza last night for dinner? No, it's, no, it's still sitting on the table um, because we're messy and that's because we're human. And though I didn't totally understand that at the time, I, I do now, but I expected more of me. 
Though I was okay with other people being messy, I wasn't okay with me being messy. So the version that they were seeing, the ver- the version that they were being exposed to was definitely not polished April. It was, it was more of like a dumpster fire April for a person that rarely cried, I, I kept tearing up. My mascara is running down my face. I'm like full scale pity party status. I couldn't walk. I was thousands of miles from home and I knew I needed surgery. But the truth was, is if I could have just gotten out of my head, when when I look back now, the two people that helped me that night, the two people that insisted on getting in the Uber with me, insisted on buying me Advil, insisted on carrying me up the stairs, <laughs> essentially insisted on tucking a grown woman into bed. They they were amazing. They actually sat in my room for a while and just kind of chatted when it was all said and done. I'm still like a mess, like absorbing the gravity of what happened and how the heck I was about to get home um, through multiple plane rides home. Um, but they talked about, you know, the food in Nashville and that she was a great singer and that he plays piano when he's stressed out. These are two people that had never met until tonight. And they had this amazing heartfelt conversation um, while I was sitting there trying to figure out how to manage the situation. And they no longer became business contacts. They were they were human beings and they were helping another human being in her time of need. But I couldn't see that clearly yet. And when they left, I, I, I couldn't get up to get the phone. I couldn't go to the bathroom. Um, without crutches, you're kind of lost. And, you know, family and friends are time zones away. And as I laid alone in that room in Nashville, I'd never felt so alone, so helpless, and really so sorry for myself. Earlier that evening, I walked into all my meetings like a boss, like a badass. I was on top of the world. And now in the middle of the night, as I waited for someone to answer the phone, you know, I was, um, it's pretty sad. It was a pretty low moment in my life. I mean, pity party level, like to 10. Um, I ended up laying there awake the whole night. In the morning, my employee woke to my desperate messages and he came and I still couldn't get around again, no crutches. And so he and the wonderful singer from last night came And they carried me down the same three flights of stairs and Ubered to the hospital with me. And God love them. They they wanted to make it fun. In fact, when he was carrying me down the stairs, she actually snapped a photo of it, reminding me that this would all be a funny story someday. And more importantly, she told me, just let them help me. Let them help me. Some of the hardest advice I'd ever received. At the hospital... They were in great spirits. They were in great spirits. Um, they drove me around in the wheelchair, cracking jokes, buying me lunch. After getting the crutches um, and the diagnosis of surgery, they took me to the pharmacy, carried me back up those same damn three flights of stairs. They canceled meetings. They ordered food to my room. They changed flights to help me with my wheelchair assist the next day. I mean, these were people I've been in business with through Dallas and DC and Chicago and Toronto and New York. We'd seen a lot. But what I hadn't fully seen was how unbelievably decent they were, what good humans they were if I just let them. In my moment of complete helplessness, when I just wanted to curl up and not be seen because my current state ran counter to everything I stood for, you know, strength and power and leadership, when I stood down, they stood up. They were unbelievable. 
as a person who formerly, formerly rarely asked for help, though eager to provide it. When I finally yelled uncle, amazing people came to my aid. People that weren't going to benefit from me whatsoever. They just wanted to be decent to me. And I am eternally grateful for them, for the gifts that they gave me that day. And I, I mean, I truly mean that a gift that I felt like I could never repay them. And when when I called them out on it um, and what they had done for me, and when I tearily told them how unbelievably grateful I was for the humanity they showed me, they kind of shrugged their shoulders and gave me a meh. You would have done the same for us. And though that's true, at the time, I'd never expected someone to do that for me. And this was a, guys, this was a pivotal moment for me, a moment when I started to see the world differently. As I was about to board the plane home the next day, and I'm sitting in my sweatpants and my wheelchair, like off in a corner, hoping that I don't see anyone else heading home from the conference. I actually posted something on Facebook to some family. And I essentially said that I'd been unbelievably touched by really it was a total of three people um, that just showed me incredible generosity and how they'd given me such faith in humanity. And actually, speaking of that phrase, quick addendum to this story. So I'm I'm getting loaded on the plane, in, or I get loaded on the plane um, to Vegas, and and we take off. So um, I'm reflecting on I'm reflecting on everything that's happened in the last two days. I put in my earbuds and I just I, I sit back and I try to relax on the plane. So 20 minutes into the flight, I hear a familiar sound, and I know right away what it is. You see, um, for about 10 years, I was an EMT, and I was hearing the sound of a seizure. So I pop up and it's the woman behind me. So I hop around to her and I start doing my thing. Now I've got to paint this picture right for you. So I'm hopping around on one leg and I'm grabbing the oxygen from the flight attendant. My mascara is still on my face because why not? I wasn't really washing it off very well. Um, The pilot comes out. Now we're all in, we're still midair, right? The pilot comes out of the cockpit and he's standing there talking to me. And he wants me to speak to ground control and the medical director. So I've got the pilot's headset on in my just interesting condition, right? I've got his headset on. I'm responding to this lady. My knee is still out. Um, so I have this one leg kind of bent and like dangling like I'm like a flamingo or something. It's, uh, I mean, it's, cra- it's crazy in retrospect, but in the moment I was just doing my thing. So um, once the kind of the seizure patient was secured, I sat next to her for the remainder of the flight while we sort of beeline to an early landing. So imagine, imagine when we land, the plane's kind of holding their breath, right? Everybody is totally captivated by the scene of this this poor gal that's having a seizure, and she didn't didn't really gain regain consciousness completely. And anyway, so everybody's really kind of all eyes are on this situation. And so the paramedics board our plane and they carry this woman off, right? They take the woman off, and then the next thing, then the next thing that happens is the medical, like the staff or the airport staff, I guess, they come on and they say, "Who's our wheelchair assist?" And then I raise my hand. I go, oh, that's me. And the plane erupts. I mean, I guess it's in disbelief. I'm not really sure. But everybody's like, oh, my gosh, that's you. And I just sort of grab my sweatshirt and my iPod I never really listened to. And I start, like, hopping to their little wheelchair thing. And the Southwest flight attendant comes running up to me and thanks me for my service and says they're sending me a free flight. But then this amazing thing happens where the lady right at the front grabs my arm and says, this this other passenger says, um, watching you with that woman and helping her so selflessly and knowing that you were injured yourself, 
you had given me such faith in humanity. I mean, this woman, this passenger used the exact same language that I just used minutes ago when I sent my message to, to family via Facebook. I mean, the exact same, exact same language. I mean, just the thought of it gives me shivers still. When I look back at that experience in Nashville, ordinarily when I've been hurt like that, um, and you know, I've broken a lot of bones and had a lot of injuries and a variety of things. Um, ordinarily when I'm hurt like that, I would just retreat. I would slink away and not want to make a fuss. Um, I would have handled it myself. I, I didn't I didn't want them to show up the way that they did. Regardless of how much worse it would have made it for me or the pain it would have caused. I mean, in the car ride over to the Wyndham that night, in my mind, they were dropping me off and I was going to sit like my butt on each one of those stairs and like pull my legs up one by one um, before I would let someone help me to that extent. But if I wouldn't have let them help me, I wouldn't have experienced the gift. I wouldn't have experienced so much humanity in in a business setting. Two worlds that up until that point, I'd seen as polar opposites from one another. And here's where I bring this all full circle, or here's where I land the plane. Um, (laughs) My word for the season, the word that I picked before that fateful trip, the word that I knew I needed more of in my life, but I wasn't, you know, good at it. I struggled with it was vulnerability. I didn't do vulnerability well. I was okay with other people's vulnerability. I was happy to run and help. I was happy to meet people in their hurt, but I was not okay with someone seeing mine. And though I wasn't living into that word up until that point, and I didn't even recognize it for the amazing experience that it was until it was in my, you know, rear view mirror, that was vulnerability playing out full scale, like full scale vulnerability, people physically picking you up and carrying you places. Like that's vulnerability, knowing that you're just kind of at someone's mercy and you just hope they're going to do right by you. That was vulnerability. But I learned so much. And even though in that instance, I didn't really fully live into it, that experience, if I would have just recognized it for what it was, it was an opportunity for me to be vulnerable and it was an opportunity for people to step up and and do amazing things, I would have experienced it a lot differently if I would have seen what a gift it was, that this was my opportunity to live into my word of intention, that I wanted to get better at vulnerability. And to get better at vulnerability, I had to kind of fall on my face. And I had to let people see that I'd fallen on my face. And only then would someone extend out an arm to help me back up. And as you're listening to this story and you're thinking about your word, you may not know exactly how this word will show up in your life, and that's okay, but it will if you keep thinking about it, seeing it, reminding yourself. If you're sitting in meetings and you're doodling, which is my habit during long meetings, write it at the top of your paper, write it on your grocery list. I've even had a client put it on a note card and stick it on his driver's side door, but just keep thinking back on your word of intention, this word that you're going to live out for this season, this next 12 weeks. And look for opportunities to live it out. Better yet, plan for those opportunities because knowing is no substitute for planning. So I've got a, uh, I've got a client, Mike, who's who's amazing guy, such a fun-loving, amazing guy. And he's, he's single, but he's actively looking for a partner. And his word that he selected was fearless. How does that manifest? Well, he decided beforehand when he said, you know what, my word's going to be fearless. And I said, what does that look like to you? And he said, I'm never going to hesitate again to talk to a woman. 
regardless if I'm at a networking event, a bookstore, or most recently his yoga class. He immediately talks to them because he's fearless. And he's looking for ways to manifest that. He's looking for ways to show up as fearless in his life. And so he's got he's got a, a sticky note in his car that when he gets in, that's what he thinks of. When he's driving to see a client, he's thinking, I'm fearless. And what does fearless Mike show up as? And that looks a lot different than Mike from the last season. That looks a lot more bold. That's a, a, a more bold and rich life. Mike's taking risks because he's fearless. I work with another gal. She's in my mastermind group and Lauren is this amazing woman and she's achieving so much and she's had so much growth and success um, throughout her career, but it's really gotten very, uh, it's gotten exponentially faster for her as of late in the last say year or two. Um, And she's, she's really focused on her goals. But what she was finding is sometimes it was easy to, to be really laser focused and overlook her joy. And so her word for this season was joy. And she said, I really am focusing on bringing more joy in my life and how I can show up more joyful. And what I really love about her story is that um, Lauren is a coder. And so she tends to not, she works on a computer all day. She tends to not wear jewelry because uh, her words were that it gets in the way. When she's typing, it's getting in the way. So what does she do? She goes out and buys a thumb ring that says joy. And the cool thing is, is she says, it gets in the way. Yeah, it sure does but I want joy to get in the way of what I'm doing. There's another woman, Tammy. She took on her word of intention to just be intention, intention in conversations that she needed to focus on what her intention was when going into a situation and not necessarily how that was received. And why that was important is that she sometimes got very focused on, well, you know, could I offend someone or how are they going to receive this information? And so sometimes she couldn't deliver the information that she needed to deliver and especially managing a team too. She wasn't always able to deliver that because she kind of get to this paralysis analysis where she just keeps thinking, okay, well, how are they going to receive this? How are they going to take it? Am I going to ruffle any feathers? And so instead she said, no, I'm just going to focus on intention. What is my intention? When I'm communicating with someone, is my intention to hurt them? Is my intention to offend them? No. And again, she's, she's a great communicator, but in her mind, this was a hangup for her. And so she, she reframed that by saying, what matters is my intention. And I'm trying to inform. I'm trying to guide. And as long as that is my intention and I'm focusing on my intention, that's all that matters. So as you hear my story and you hear the story of three of my clients, I hope that this has given you enough of a basis for you to decide what your word is this season. What are you going to live out for the next 12 weeks? Is it growth? Is it enthusiasm, love, connection? Really identify what that needs to be. And then once you've got that word, think about how that's going to show up. Think about how you're going to make that show up. So if you don't do the work, you know, someone will come banging down your door and force you to do the work. So um, think proactively how that's going to show up. If it's enthusiasm, are you just going to show up to parties and barbecues, just an incredibly enthusiastic person? Why not? I do it too. Um, What is that going to be? If it's love, are you going to actively look for ways to express love to others and to receive it? If it's connectedness, Is it, okay, when I'm talking to someone, especially someone I care about, I'm going to make sure I'm staring them in the eyes. Or when I'm having a long conversation, I'm going to put my phone on airplane mode so I'm really captivated by what they're saying, that they know they've got my undivided attention. 
And once you know the word, grab a pen. Like, do you know it right now? Grab your pen. I see you. You haven't grabbed your pen. Or for maybe my millennial listeners out there, put it in your phone, like your OneNote or your Evernote or whatever it is that you use in lieu of pen and paper. That's cool. Just get it down. Like, don't don't forget this. Remember this. Remember this word. And then let's talk about how to make it make it true. Let's talk about how to manifest that word, how to live into that word. And with that pen, or I guess the swipe of your finger on your note app on your phone, answer this. If you were to live out this word for the next 12 weeks, what does that look like? How do you show up differently in the world when you're thinking through this word, when you're showing up as that word? And here are my two things to do right now. So when you're getting off this podcast or disconnecting, unhooking from this podcast, whatever whatever one does to get off of this podcast, as you're doing that, what are you going to do? Okay, let's do these two things. You're going to grab a marker and you're going to write your word. Write your word on your bathroom mirror. I want to see it. Don't don't write it tiny because you're afraid someone's going to see it. It's okay. If they're seeing your bathroom sink, it's okay if they see your word. And write it big. Write growth. Write strength. Write love. Write connectedness. Write bravery. Whatever your word is, write it in big letters. Yes, I absolutely make my clients and mastermind people do this. Absolutely. And not only that, I make them send me a picture of it. I want to see it, a photo of it actually on their bathroom mirror. Here's part two. Write it on a little sticky note and set it somewhere next to your bed. I've got a nightstand and I've got um, a sticky note next to my bed. And I also have a card that says, because I said I would, and I write down what I'm focused on so that when I roll over, that's what I see. And in addition to the bathroom mirror, and the note by the bedside table. I'll just throw out a third one that's been pretty powerful. I don't always do this one, but a lot of people, especially when it's weight related or health intentions, sticking a note on your refrigerator can be super powerful. Keep it positive. If it's if it's health related or weight related, don't like stick a sticky note that says, don't eat that cheeseburger fatty or something like that. I've seen you try to do that. That's not the best way. Um, so keep it focused on the things that you want not focused on the things you don't want. And as you do this today, because we're doing it today, right? Right. All right. I'm seeing some head nods out there. We're doing it today. So as we do this today and you get that big, beautiful word written on your bathroom mirror, I'll just just take it a step further. Take a photo and drop it on Instagram. Like tag me in it. I want to see because I actually get super fired up about this. And so does my team when they see people living out their word. And sometimes the word surprises me. The other day I had um, a listener, their word was execution, which surprised me, um, but was also wonderful. So whether your word is growth or whether your word is execution or um, what's the one I heard the other day, I think it was completion or conclusion, conclusion, whatever that word is, write it. Like decorate your environment with your word. So wherever you look at it, there's that word again, a constant reminder. Is it work? Yeah, it's work, but you're worth it. Thank you so much for dialing in today. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So tell your friends about the spark and help them get to the next level. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you love what you hear, give us a five-star review. It means the world to us. Hit me up on Instagram at aprilgarcia underscore the spark or check me out at thesparknow.com. This is all made possible with the support of you listeners, the numerous contributors and our clients. 
Our music and production is by the amazing Rockwood Audio. Join me next time for more tips on how to hack success. And until then, make it a great day. Thanks, guys. You guys are amazing.